Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. It's March, it's snowing. Hope by the time uh, this airs that everything's going to be melted. Yes. Maybe my garlic cloves are going to be coming up. <laughs> it's uh, it's just definitely going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today we have the pleasure to have Nicole Mischke here, and she is with Uncovered, the executive director, and we get to learn a whole lot more today. Um, Nicole, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to share my storytelling platform with Spokane because I want people to know this is the platform for you. This is the platform for you to potentially share your stories and to hear some incredible stories in our community. Well, Nicole, we're just curious, like, why Spokane? How long have you been here? I've been here since 2006. I came to Spokane to go to college, went to Gonzaga, studied in their broadcast journalism program. But I kind of feel like I've been coming to Spokane since I was little. My dad grew up in North Idaho, so my grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, a lot of my extended family all live in the area. And now a brother has moved here. And so, so this was the place to come shopping when you were a kid. Well, I lived in, I grew up near Portland. Okay. So Uh, we would have Portland. (laughs) A little different. Yeah. So no, we would, um, Rathdrum actually is where my dad grew up. So went to Lakeland high school. There's actually a little elementary school out there named after my grandma, Betty Kiefer elementary. If anyone's kids go there, that's my grandma's school. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm kind of from this area, but not really. I grew up in Portland and then came here. It was like a way to get away from my immediate family, but still have a place to go for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, sounds nice. Shoot, the yeah. Rathdrum Prairie, it's certainly changed a whole lot it uh, has. since you were little, huh? Oh my gosh, it's crazy. It's grown so immensely out there. We took a trip, my wife and I, to Sandpoint. Um, I hadn't been out there for a few years, maybe about five, and I just... I couldn't believe what I saw. Like just all the houses just filled everything. Yeah, in. there's kind of like a highway yeah. now coming coming through the prairie. They're doing overpasses and yeah, yeah it's different. Well, I'm uh, I'm interested. A lot of people came here for school. Like a lot of our guests that we've had on for the last uh, you know half year. It's uh, it's been interesting. So Gonzaga, you're here. You're starting to understand the community after even being in Rathrum. Then yeah. what's next? So I met my husband um, when I was actually at Gonzaga. He wasn't attending Gonzaga. It's kind of a funny story. We met uh, in the ice cream aisle at Safeway on Hamilton. Classic. (laughs) And um, I say, you know, I was... I'll just kind of tell you the story if that's okay. We want to hear. Okay, and it's got a great yeah. pickup line. So if there's any single people out there that are like, "How do I just get a date with somebody?" Here's a pickup line that I think will work. See, it's perfect. No you matter just what. Listen to Good Gab. You have lines now. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Nicole. You're welcome. So long story. Basically, I think a lot of people when you are in a relationship, you have multiple opportunities to meet somebody. Right? You're either in class together, you work together. With my husband, it was like a series of events that all had to happen to line up to put us in the same place at the same time, and I. Probably Probably never would have seen him again. So uh, when I went to Gonzaga, I joined the rowing team, the okay. crew team, thinking that I was going to stay in shape, like being a rower or whatever. But that was um, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is I lasted about three weeks. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like having to wake up early for, for practice, and it was really hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, go out to Silver Lake. I see them from time to time. Just... <laughs> 
Yes. It looks hard. It was it yeah. was not my thing. Um, I was an athlete in high school, so I thought I could do this, but no, it's it's a hard sport. Um, anyway, if I had not been on the rowing team, though, I would not have gotten invited to this party at the crew house where all the varsity players lived. And it was a secret party because they were inviting underclassmen who shouldn't be drinking. And I felt so cool that I was getting invited to a college party and followed, but I was also a rule follower. And Ah. the rules were, do not tell anybody about this party. You're allowed to bring one person. You have to submit their name by email to get on the list. And if you're not on the list, you're not getting in. Don't tell anybody. And I was like, like, I can do that. I can do that. So my friend... Mary Sue and I, we went to this party. Uh, it was really not my jam. I came to, came to find out I was not like the college party. Like that wasn't my scene. Um, you know, lots of beer and it was dark and kind of it just everything looked wet somehow. I don't know. It was just so we, we honestly only stayed like 15 minutes and uh, I had my Gonzaga sweatshirt on which was key to the story. Um, earlier that day, my husband had been at the Northtown Mall was leaving the mall when it was closing and got stuck between the breezeway of the two sets of doors. Oh, yeah. Somehow really? they both locked. So he like, let me out. He's stuck there with his friend and they're stuck with some basketball players, some some of the girls on the basketball play. can't talk. He's stuck in the breezeway with some of the Gonzaga women's basketball team and they're talking while they're waiting for security. And they're like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're just, you know, hanging out. They're from Deer Park. They're cruising Spokane. And they're like, oh, well, you guys should come to the crew house tonight. There's a party on Gonzaga's campus. You guys should come. And they were, you know, blue-collar, hardworking boys. They hadn't gone to college. They're thinking, yeah, they're 19, 20 years old. We could just go yeah, to a go. college party. So they are now driving around Gonzaga's campus like, kind of creepy people um, looking for... Where are the cars? <laughs> looking for Gonzaga students to tell them where this crew house is because they didn't have the address. So they were in the parking lot at Safeway. They saw my Gonzaga sweatshirt. They're like, she must go to Gonzaga. Then followed me into the store, asked me you know, if I happened to know where this party was. First thing out of my mouth to my husband was a lie because I was not supposed to tell people where this <laughs> right? party was. Rule follower. Even though it sucked, I was like, I'm still not going to break the rules. So I didn't tell him. I said, sorry, I don't know where it is. As I was leaving, he just said, he kind of had a feeling like I should, like, I should ask that girl out. She seemed really cool. So his friend kind of shoved him back out of the car, was like, just go get her number. And I'm literally, we're leaving the parking lot, walking back to campus. And um, he's like, hey, wait up. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, if this guy is going to ask me out, like, that's so weird. And how am I going to just tell him to kick rocks? Naturally. So I'm trying to think about how I'm going to tell him to get lost. And then he says, hey, uh, Sorry to chase you down on a parking lot, but you just seem really cool, and I was wondering if you might want to have a sandwich sometime. And that threw me that threw me off. I'm like, have a sandwich? Like that's so Perfect. innocent, and yeah. like I like sandwiches. So yeah. anyway, yeah, that's how I met him, and uh, we met a couple nights later, not for a sandwich, but for coffee at Starbucks. And I had told my roommate at the time to like call me in exactly 30 minutes, and if it was really awkward, I could have an excuse to leave and anyway it was fine and so the rest is history that's incredible yeah. incredible story <laughs> so now it's like all right Spokane is the place yes yeah I mean I love Spokane I think it's got a ton to offer um especially for raising a family I, obviously I have family close to here so that makes it an easy place to stay but um at least it used to be a really affordable place to live. No I know the cost of housing has really increased, so that's a little unfortunate. But, um, yeah, I, I love Spokane. I love the outdoors. I love everything you can do here. Um, 
So, yeah. Well, tell us how Uncovered started. What? Yeah. What part of your story led you here? Yeah. So Uncovered is all about sharing stories that kind of stories of the secrets that shame tells us to hide. And it's funny because I very much now will say that there was a part of my life where I was just living in shame. But if you had asked me at that time if I had any shame, I would have said absolutely not. And I think I would have actually believed my answer. I know that feeling. Yeah. Like, no, what do I, I have a great life. I was so set on trying to do all the things and be all the things that I thought would make me a worthy person or a successful person or someone to be admired that I couldn't even acknowledge my own story because I was so terrified that if people actually found out what I was going through, like everything would be over. And so really, uh, I always knew I wanted to be a storyteller, um, went to you know school for broadcasting, yeah. and I just thought like, oh, news will be the natural way to be a storyteller, I'll work in news. I always liked storytelling specifically through video because I just felt like it's such a powerful way to, sh to share stories yeah, when so you can watch it. so much context happens, yeah. right? Yeah, you see people's facial features and just, yeah, this. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I um, got into news, worked at KHQ for several years, loved the job, honestly, but it's weird. I always kind of had a feeling like these are not the stories you're supposed to tell. But I didn't know why I had that feeling or what the stories I was supposed to tell were until I had an opportunity to share my own story. So my own story is that I was secretly bulimic for 10 years. And honestly, at one point, I feel like my story used to feel like this. Oh my God, it's so terrible. I can't believe. But I've had the privilege now of hearing so many stories that in some ways... You're just another human. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't want to say it minimizes. I, I never want anyone to feel like their story isn't valid or important or that your pain isn't valid or important. Honestly, it's actually a dangerous thing, I think, to compare levels of pain. Like, I think it's Oprah who says all pain is the same. Um, your story is so important because it's your story. And if it's affected you, like, you need to share that. So it is funny for me now to look back and think that I had this crazy story. And it's like, it was bulimia. And, and there's people that go through way worse things than bulimia. And maybe it's bulimia on top of other traumas. So all that to say... Um, I had an opportunity to share my story and kind of the backstory, I guess, behind that is, um, you know, I, for me, my eating disorder felt like an addiction. I felt completely out of control for, for a lot of reasons. I relate to addicts because I felt like food was an addiction for me. Um, but I was so set on doing all the things to make sure nobody knew that. So right. I was stealing food from people who I would nanny for. Um, I maxed out a $5,000 credit card that I secretly purchased food on so my husband wouldn't know. I would go to fast food restaurants and try, like, like it's funny, when, you, when you're dealing with something shameful, like, you think you're always about to be found out, so you do all these things to try to make sure that, like, no one's going to know. Absolutely. Like, like oh, I'm going to go to a fast food restaurant, but I'm going to make sure I switch up either the fast food places or the times I go, because how embarrassing if the same person sees me ordering as one person this huge meal, like they probably even notice. I know, it's all in our heads. Yeah, it's just, you're constantly Addiction's trying to- a real bastard that way. Yeah, trying to cover your steps. And I mean, it's, it's terrible. The things that I, I kept cups in my car so that after I would leave 
outings with friends, I could purge and toss it in a garbage can, like, and not have to do it at home. Like, it was just insane. And I was so out of control. I was like, there's not help for this. This is never anything I'm going to get over. So why would I ever share this? So it was all about hiding it. And I can remember a moment of really actually saying to myself, like, I would choose death any day, hands down, kill me, put me in the, put me in the ground before ever telling someone about this. And I think that that even has become something I hear commonly in people's stories that shame ultimately tells you like, oh, you'd be way better dead than anyone knowing this about you. When I was learning about your organization, it certainly felt like that for me because I remember being in the deepest, darkest places and, you know, in my depressions, you know, my issues that I was dealing with and no one knew because that right there, I was so shamed in thinking that if anyone knew what I was feeling inside, my whole world would explode even though my whole world was exploding right in front of me. Like I just, I couldn't connect those two dots. So had you, have you gone through a period then of like, you've talked about it now and like what you went through? Yes. Okay. And thank goodness. Cause that's where I think like real healing happens. What's that? Can you give Um, me a little context to your story? Like sure. Move forward. Yeah. Like alcohol and me and, and drugs, like we liked each other. I was a salesperson for a long time and that was the world I lived in. And it just didn't have anything but darkness for me. And I was finally able to, you know, kick that world when I started to live a life of purpose. But I didn't really start to heal till I started to talk about it. Exactly. And then that, I still remember the first time I actually shared my story to someone outside of like my very close personal friends and just like put it out there. Whew. Not only was I terrified, but as soon as I did it, like the the weight that came off my shoulders, it's like, wow. And then I started a little practice, started talking about it a little bit more. All of a sudden, some people were like, hey, I kind of relate to that. And they might tell a little bit, you know, a different version of their story. And that's why it was so powerful when I was, you know, learning about what you're working on. It just, I believe, I believe in the power of, of sharing. Wow. Well, you've experienced, mm. like, it's, it, I mean, it sounds like you've experienced the same thing that happened mm. to me, which was like believing so wholeheartedly you had to hide this part of yourself that if people knew that you would be an unlovable person, right? That this, well said, you know, like I won't be worthy of love. If people know this about me, everyone's going to run for the hills. I will be alone. And I am alone. Shame also tells you, you are alone. Nobody is as messed up as you. Nobody has this problem. Why would you share this? Right. But it's actually the exact opposite. And like, let's talk about self-love. Like, did you ever know that you could love yourself the way you do now, right? With the, like the worst thing that you you thought was the worst thing about you being out there. Like for me, I thought I loved myself, but again, it was all about having these false like masks of perfection that I thought. A lot of ego involved in there maybe. Yeah, totally. Like I said it on the show before. It's like, I didn't even think this was possible. Like these feelings now. This, yes. this world didn't exist in my head. Yeah. And it's Surprise, like, it's isn't here. this what living should be, right? So I just yes. feel like sharing my story allowed me to live, not just like breathe, but like live as who I'm supposed to be. And to me, that is why I want to, to continue doing this is like the more people that can go out into the world and finally feel free to be exactly who they are and give themselves permission to go after that crazy dream or like, I wouldn't be doing this, like trying to like have a storytelling platform. Like when I was living in shame, I think I waited 
for permission, for everything. I needed somebody else to come and validate the gifts that I felt in myself, but didn't have the worthiness or the confidence to speak up and say, you know, I don't, I don't really care what you think. This is what I feel like I'm here to do. So I'm going to live my life and do this. I'm not yes. going to wait for you to tell me that I get to. And that is the same permission that I hope this can give other people is to just like, what a beautiful world it would be if we all just felt like we could go, go after a crazy wildest dream and just be who we are. I believe in that world. Yeah. I want to help create that world. Yeah. And you are. By sharing your story. Like, I think that's the secret, right? That the more people that can be released from shame, like you cannot fully love yourself if you are hiding a part of your story. True. Because you think you're unlovable with that part of your story. So therefore, you actually don't love yourself. But once you can finally see that, oh, not only are you worthy of love for this thing, but like you're also setting, like there's purpose in it finally when you're setting other people free. Absolutely. I talk a lot about that in our my day job, um, working at Skillskin and we work with people with disabilities and I talk about authenticity a lot and especially, you know, of managers and leaders in the organization. Um, I just believe in it. If you can be the same person as you are at work, at home, here, wherever, just as close as you can get to that, there's just so much magic and happiness. Yeah. And that at least that's my perspective. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically had an opportunity to share my story. It was at this event in Spokane called Pivot Spokane. I don't know if you've been there. If you guys have not been there, anyone listening? I haven't. It is the best event in Spokane. I never miss it. So it's a nonprofit started by Gonzaga, actually Gonzaga's leadership program. And now it's like a big thing. But every event, they take eight random people all different walks of life. There is one word or theme for the storytelling evening, and everybody has to share a true story from their life on that word or phrase. And they are rehearsed. So they pair you with a storytelling coach, and you prepare for this, and you get up on stage, and you do the story that you've rehearsed. And so it just flows into the bigger story, I imagine. Well, it's interesting because it's one word. Everyone's taking that word and telling the story from their life on that word, but it's interpreted differently. So some stories you're going to like your pants laughing they're so funny and other people you want to cry or it just shares a perspective you've never thought about so it's it's incredible how one word can be interpreted so many different ways in so many different lives um and so that event basically i had been approached i had um reached this point with my story where i wanted to share it i just felt like this is just so heavy to carry i want to tell someone but i didn't know who to tell and i remember thinking like that's crazy why would you even think that like who are you going to tell this to you've never met a single person that's had an eating disorder like why would you share this like that's a dumb thought get rid of that and i got approached and the woman organizing it said well it's morgan marm i don't know if you guys talked to her but she's an incredible woman in spokane and she was like hey we're doing this storytelling event the word is secret would you like to share and again, it's like, you always think you're going to get found out. I was like, secret? Like, yeah. Why would she ask me that? Uh, no, I don't have a secret story to share. And uh, can't. My kids don't have babysitters, so move along. <laughs> it's like not doing that. Um, and a couple months later, she came back and said, we're doing another storytelling event. This time the word is promise. Would you like to share? And the first thought that came to my mind is that toxic promise you made to yourself to chase after physical perfection. But I thought, 
oh my gosh, no, I'm not getting up on a stage and telling people that I'm bulimic. Like that is not happening. But that spark was there. But it was there. It's all I could think about. And so I'd go home, pen to paper, and I'd try to like, okay, I could think of a story. Because I told her. I was like, sure, sign me up, thinking to myself, I will for sure think of a story on promise. Like I love stories. Yeah, this is who you are. This is what I do. But all I could think about, pen to paper, what could I share about promise? And it was just that phrase looping in my head like my brain was broken and so I was like well this is not happening I was about to go to her and say hey take me off the list I'm not sharing this and unfortunately that happened to be the day that the Freeman shooting happened in 2017 heavy I was working at KHQ at the time major breaking news all hands on deck it was chaos and tragedy and horrible and uh, so I didn't have that conversation with her that day What's interesting is Leon Logothetis, who is actually going to be, I've got an event coming up on March 30th that eventually we'll tell people about. He's our keynote speaker there, very influential in my life. He had this documentary on Discovery Plus called The Kindness Diaries that I had watched a couple years before, never even thought that I'd have a chance to meet this guy. And my daughter, who was going to Midway Elementary at the time, had brought home a flyer like a week prior saying Leon Logothetis is coming You're to like, do a, a speech or, you know, an assembly at their school. I know this person. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is the guy whose documentary we watched. Like, this is amazing. And his documentary is incredible. He wanted to see if he could travel across the entire world only relying on kindness. So he doesn't have any money. He's not allowed to accept money. He has to find people to physically invite him into their homes and give him a meal at their table and a bed under their roof. And he wants to see if he can make it across the globe. And he does. Wow. It's amazing. So his whole, the reason he was going to schools at that time was he was promoting his documentary while talking to kids about the importance of kindness, no matter your differences, right? Kindness, the connection to humanity. Exactly. So the day after the Freeman shooting, we're in the newsroom. And at that point, it's like, okay, what other stories could we bring to our community during this time? And like, trying to start some healing, right? Um, And I knew he had been in town the day before, so I was like, maybe Leon is still here in Spokane. Like, what an incredible message to share with people if he is. So sure enough, we got in touch with his manager, and he was flying out of Spokane that day at noon, but I was like, listen, it's the Spokane airport. Come on in. As long as you get there like 40 minutes before your flight, like I promised you're not going to miss it. Can you just come? He's like, Nicole, that can't be true. You're like, no, it's (laughs) true. I'm like, no, it may not be true anymore. No. (laughs) But back then in 2017, it was true. So he came, uh, Stephanie Vigil, uh, love her to death, um, Spokane's, I guess, the loved news anchor. I know, who just about announced to she's retiring. retiring. I know. Oh. Um, but but I, I grabbed Stephanie. I was like, you need to do this interview because, you know, it's Stephanie. I wanted the I wanted the big time person interviewing this guy. And I so I told her who, who he was. And I said, but can I, I'm like totally geeking out that he's going to be here. Can I sit hmm. in and listen? And she said, yes. So I'm sitting in there listening to this interview and at one point, she asked the question, something along the lines of like, what's the one overall message you hope kids take away when they hear your story? And I thought he was going to say something about kindness because that's his whole platform. And remember, this sure. is the time when I'm about to tell the storytelling place event, oh, I'm not doing your story on promise, just so you know, because I don't have one. Um, <laughs> so his answer to that question was, you know, sometimes I go to schools and kids will raise their hand and they'll say, I don't like kindness. I don't want to be kind. And he says, I look at those kids and you can sometimes see the pain in their eyes. And I say, you know what? That's fine. You don't have to be kind. But promise me you will share your pain. Share your pain because if you don't, it will grow and fester and become something nasty inside of you. And when he said that, I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) 
like, okay, the two by four that had smacked me up the head. I was like, okay, are you I talking get to it. me like, directly here? I get that I need to go do this storytelling <laughs> thing and share my story of promise, which I then ended up using that phrase to be my theme it was just promise me you will share your pain. And I went and shared my story of being a secret bulimic for 10 years for the very first time. Absolutely terrified, absolutely terrified, lied to my husband, told him I had a work thing. He had to watch the kids, did not want a single person I knew to be in that audience. No. <laughs> I knew like the organizer and I knew an old professor were there. I refused to go to rehearsal. Like they told me like, okay, rehearsal. I was like, I'm not going to rehearsal. I'm not, I'm doing this one time. It was one I take. Not, I am not going to rehearsal. I'm just. You got to see if you melt afterwards, right? Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. And if I had gone to rehearsal, I would have known that it was being recorded. Oh, that would have been hard to go back. Didn't know that. So the event is over. I'm like so relieved. Again, felt the weight lift off my shoulders. Had a handful of people approach me afterwards and say, which which was mind-blowing to me. You know, people coming up and going, oh my gosh, I still struggle with bulimia or my kid's in treatment for it. Or I went through that for 20 years. And I was just like, what? Like... Which is crazy, right? Statistics yeah. should tell us that you're not the only person that struggles with right. alcoholism and like, or drugs or whatever. And I should know I'm not the only person with an eating disorder. But shame makes you believe. Yeah, you think your story is the only one or yeah. it's so unique. Yeah, it's not. So they announced then, this is going to be on our podcast. You know, everyone can go listen. And I was like, uh, no, no, it is not. I went to the <laughs> organizer. I was like, you are not posting that. Like, I came here to do that to this little room. Like, I'm not, that's not going to be out in the world. And they said, you know, will you just think about it? It's still not going to be released for a couple of weeks. Like, just think about it. We'll check in with you. We'll see how you are feeling about it. And, uh, you know, it's not like I was some big time news person, but like I worked on the morning show and I, I did have a fear, right? As soon as you share with one person, especially in the way that I had shared. I didn't know who had heard the story. I didn't know if anyone knew me. I didn't know if anyone knew my husband. So I just was like, well, crap. Okay, I do have to tell my husband right. before he maybe hears through the grapevine through someone else. Like, oh, I heard your wife share about her bulimia. And he's like, what? <laughs> so I, the next day I sent him an email. That is literally the only way that I felt like I could tell him. And uh, I texted him. I said, I have to tell you something. I can't say it to your face. So check your email. And he thought I was going to tell him like, I was having an affair. Right. Yeah. All the things. Them, or like, <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. And so anyway, he was so gracious, like accepting oh. that and ended up encouraging me to just let my story be out there. Wow. And so I know this is a long roundabout way. I, I'm, I still can't figure out how to tell this in a shorter version, but basically. Sometimes you can't. Yeah. I just, basically that experience, I feel like gave me the three greatest gifts you can ever give somebody. And the first is just the opportunity to be heard outside of your circle. Like, I don't know if I had the strength to tell people inside my circle. I, like there was comfort in like telling strangers and then immediately experiencing that I wasn't alone. So the first gift is the opportunity to share outside of your circle. The second gift is realizing you're not alone or helping others mm -hmm. realize they're not alone. And then the third gift was having it packaged in a beautiful way. It was recorded. I didn't think that was a gift at the time, right? Like I said, I didn't want it to be posted anywhere. But as I slowly got the courage to share, that clip, I think, was my fast track to healing because I didn't have to call my mom and my siblings and cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, coworkers. I just... I didn't have to have conversations with everybody and like answer their questions and look at their face. I could just say, I need you to listen to something. This, it just is. Yeah. yeah. So ultimately that is what mm. uncovered 
is replicating, is that experience of giving those three gifts to other people to hopefully allow them to have that same transformation that I had. Incredible. And now we have that opportunity with Uncovered. Yes. Yeah. We are having biannual events. Mm. Our relaunch, we launched kind of before COVID and then it was 2019 November and, you know, everyone knows what happened. Uh, No more events for a while. So this is our first event, March 30th at the Garland Theater since 2019. And we're, we're doing them biannually. So every March and September at the Garland Theater. And I would love anyone to join us. Um, Well, how how do our listeners uh, (laughs) get tickets? So... Pretty easy to remember. It's on Eventbrite. So you could just go to Eventbrite and search Uncovered, The Secrets We Hide. But the uh, easiest way, I think, is to just go to storiesuncovered.com. You can click the link there or storiesuncovered.eventbrite.com is the actual event link itself. So um, Leon Logothetis, who I mentioned with the documentary, he is coming to be the keynote presenter, which is amazing. It's very full circle. No doubt. How did you yeah. get him to come here? I mean, it was kind of crazy. I went to L.A. in 2021, the, the summer, to interview him because I just was so – I'm so grateful to him. Like, to me, sure, there was probably a lot of things that had to happen for me to get to a point of being ready to share. But, like, his words were ultimately – like, I knew there was truth in what he said. I knew there was truth in like, if you don't share your pain, it's going to grow and fester and become something nasty inside of you. And so I, in that moment knew, like, I know I have all this fear, but like, if I can find the courage to listen to the truth I know is in that statement, like I have to believe something better is going to be on the other side. No doubt. And it was, and I feel like I uncovered all of these truths in myself about self-love and giving yourself permission to be who you are and not living in shame. And so I wanted to just interview him because obviously he already knew all of those things. And I just wanted to kind of do a nice video on like, here's what I learned listening to this piece of advice. And so I did that and made his video. I was going to release the video at this event. And when I sent it to him and invited him to come just be a part of the audience, he said, well, you know, I actually have this new speech that I'm doing and I'm trying to get reps under my belt and stuff. So what if I just came to the event and did my keynote and you can table that, you know, video for another time. And I was just like, what? Oh my gosh. Yes, please. So he's coming. He's coming to Spokane, which is amazing. And, um, he's, he's going to be so inspiring. I think a especially, well, really to anybody, but especially our young, our young people, Uh you know, our high school and college students who are stepping out into the world. And there's all that fear of like, who am I? And what am I supposed to do? How am I going to make it? How am I going to be successful? And like, the answer is like, give yourself permission to just be you, you know, and that is his message. So it feeds so perfectly into the stories that we'll share. I saw that you have a few, like three different stories that are being shared. Three different stories, yes. Um, One is about struggles with mental health and bipolar disorder uh, and suicide ideation, and that's from Virginia Clark. Virginia Clark is the wife of Rick Clark, Spokane Quarantine Guy. We had Rick. He was the first person on this podcast. He he helped launch this. That's amazing. Okay, so his wife, is her story is incredible, what she has been through and how she is like – She's just, she's incredible. I love Virginia so dearly. So she's sharing her story. And then we have Askia Taylor, or sorry, uh, Askia Underwood. If you wouldn't mind, I don't know if you guys edit this out, but we can say uh, Askia Underwood. Um, She is a domestic violence survivor. 
and shares her incredible story. She's actually from LA and she's coming up here to share. And then the third person is a Spokane hardworking woman, wife and mother, Stephanie Hans, who I met at my gym actually. Um, and she started talking, telling stories. (laughs) She's a woman in a larger body and very much relate. We relate to each other a lot on the body image struggles and the eating disorders. And so she has a powerful, powerful message about the decades that she spent hating herself because of her body and the torture she put herself through doing diet after diet after diet. And finally now getting to this place of just loving exactly who she is and being grateful for the body she's in. And um, so those are the three stories that I'll share. Yeah. It's going to be incredible. So now we know what to expect. And if I hear you right, it's like if my daughter, she is about to be 17. Like, I should bring her to this. Yes. I Yes. My 13-year-old will be there. I'm leaving it up for parents to use their discretion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they are heavy topics. And some, I don't agree with it, but I know that there are some families who have never talked about suicide or anything like that with their kids. And that's their decision. Sure, but I don't want anyone to, like, be caught off guard. Yep. We are talking about some heavy things. In my family, raising my kids, we talk about all the things. Us um, too. Yeah. And I just, so everything I I wish I had. Yeah. I mean, I think it's become more acceptable or just like, it's, it's not, it's not a way that we used to really be raised. I think a few decades ago, parents didn't really want to, I think there was, especially with suicide, there was this idea like, oh my gosh, if If we we talk talk about about it, it, it's going to put the idea in their head. Yes. And really the actual answer is even for the people that you're actually concerned might commit suicide, asking them the question will never actually drive them to, to suicide. It's going to give them an opportunity to open up and talk to you. So well, thank goodness we get to evolve as parents, as society and, and get to this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, uh, just, it's, it's so freeing to be able to have conversations and be in spaces that don't make you feel like you have to walk around with all those masks on and all of your credits and degrees and, you know, Here's what makes me better than you. That shiny facade. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's how people can get, or I guess come to the event and get the tickets. And the other thing that I want people Buy to know. Buy your tickets now because this event is going to sell out. I think it might. I think, I think it might too. I think it might. I kind of know sold, it will. We've sold 272 tickets so far. There's 450 available. According to Eventbrite, 50% of your ticket sales happen two weeks before the event, and we're not there yet. Well, the math adds up. I mean, we might sell out. I don't know. So, yeah, get your tickets. And then the other thing I want people to know is this is a platform for your story. So if you go to my website, storiesuncovered.com, if you have a story of overcoming shame or uncovering a secret that shame tells you to hide – and, you, and you're ready to share that, um, you can go fill out a, a submission form to potentially be featured in a future story. The only really thing that I look for is that you really have a message of hope or inspiration yeah. to give to people. And that's kind of the only qualification. It's an incredible project. I'm just I'm so happy that Spokane gets this opportunity to you know share this. I was just in San Diego last week, and I was at a, a museum down there. It's called the Museum of Us. And one of the exhibits was this artist kind of started this postcard campaign and it was like share your secrets and just put out i think a few thousand like see what would come back i was reading some of these postcards because they had them all laminated you could just flip through them and it was incredible like the breadth of uh everything from wanting to kill your husband to 
some really hardcore heavy stuff. Wow. Um, and I just was thinking, like, reading through that, and now they have hundreds of thousands uh, over the years. They thought it'd be like a little tiny project. Now it's a multi-year project. Wow. And just that release. But this is this is even more... I don't know the word for it, but it's just a more real for me. Like you get to share your story. It's not a sentence. Yeah. You share your story. Yeah. And the sentence and is the start. Yes. Speaking and it gets to it be witnessed. Loud. Gets to be witnessed by an audience of people. And there will be a panel discussion at the end where People can ask questions to those who shared, and that's kind of a really cool part too. But just bringing the community yeah. to people's stories, you know. And there's going to be food. There's there's going to be catered. Everybody heavy loves food. appetizers <laughs> and uh, a beverage bar. You can either purchase alcoholic or non-alcoholic drinks, and so come. It's going to be great. All right, you heard it here, everybody. We got Nicole. We got uncovered. It's March thirtieth. Buy your tickets before they are sold out. Yes. And the next event is oh. going to be September 14th. So if you can't make this one, we'll put be that there. on your calendars for the next time. Yeah. Nicole, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you really for having me. It. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.